As our heroes walk under the shadow of the Twelve's wood canopy, they will encounter strange new friends and familiar old foes. But a deeper, creeping darkness lies in the belly of the Thousand Maws, awaiting the arrival of Heidelin's champion. I'm Nero. And I'm Jane. And this is Radio Free Heidelin. Yes, welcome back everyone to the fantastical world of Eorzea. And this week we're doing The Thousand Maws of Todorak, newly renovated for 2022. That's right. It's completely overhauled from the dungeon it used to be. And uh, for the better, The Thousand Maws of Todorak was, I think... One of the worst dungeons, one of the most hated dungeons one could roll. Um, but we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. We aren't there quite yet. We have a lot of stuff to get through before we get to the dungeon. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. Because the uh, the Scions have been looking into the Sylphs recently. Um there are a couple of different tribes of people who have been giving the Gridanians some guff lately. And only one of them is bird-themed. The other are cabbages. Yeah, so obviously the Ixal are kind of the main, um, let's say, antagonistic tribe in the Twelveswood area. Uh, but the Sylphs, as Menphilia tells you, have always been sort of not they don't cause too much trouble um you know they're the good ones with as much disdain as i can put on that phrasing as possible yeah arr is um well it's arr it's got some uh it's got some opinions um they're not good opinions this section is, in my opinion, probably the worst part of ARR. Many people would claim that it is the next section. However, I think the next section actually has some charming bits in it that we will talk about when we get to it. This? I... There's basically nothing I like about this section of Realm Reborn. The Sylphs. Yeah, I... I don't know that I hate it. Like, I don't know that I, I hate it quite on that level. I... I, I feel like I really disliked um, some of the stuff that's coming up in the in the future and found it really, really tedious, like more tedious than the self stuff. Because the thing with the self stuff is that it is really, really tedious, but it's not that long. Like, it's a pretty short series of quests that don't ask you to actually go that far out of your way. Like, the farthest you go out of your way is to... Um, you pop into northern Lanasia for like two seconds. Um, but other than that, it's not like a super long series of, uh, of, of busy work to, uh, to get done. That being said, uh, it is one of those sections of a video game where you have to like interact with sort of the fey aligned people and do like a funny dance a few times and that's a little you know it's that's that can be a little annoying yeah and here's the thing this isn't really fair i guess to this but there's a future part of the game that does all that stuff far far better and much more enjoyably 
um, and you weren't interacting with fucking Cabbage Patch Kids the entire fucking time. Like, yeah. This the, the we so the setup here is you were you were accompanying Ida and Papalimo to Gradania, where Kane Sena, or actually no, it's not Kane Sena, it's uh, the leader of the Adders, whose name I did not write down because I am not going to attempt to uh, pronounce that. Uh, suffice to say, it is very French. Um, but he he tells you the the setup with the Sylphs here basically. The Sylphs have normally been these, you know, uh, kind of mischievous but peaceful folks, but they are concerned because uh, recently they have summoned their primal, Ramu, the Lord of Levin. And, you know, primals, usually bad news. Yeah, typically when a primal gets summoned, you know, starts laying waste the countryside, converting people to its cause, you know, shooting it with beams. You hate to be shot with beams. So you head over to the Hawthorne Hut, uh, where the like the, the where the denizens of such place are kind of the ones who interact with the sylphs the most and, and have some advice on how best to get into their good graces. Uh, specifically you know, you, you kind of learn about like, yeah, they love to pull pranks. They're they're you know they're classic fae sort of situation, and also they love to get fucking turnt on milk root. Oh yes, they really like to get fucked up on their milk root, um, which apparently stinks to all high heavens, as basically everything that uh, that one smokes kind of does. So. You go and grab some of that. Uh, the uh, the forget the forgetful beekeeper who sort of runs the whole place. I don't remember what his name is. Uh, he wraps it up for you. Uh, makes some makes some nice blunts, and you you take them over to the the sylph's little kind of pop up village thing. Little um, what is it called? Little something. Little solace. Little because solace, I yes. find little solace in hanging around these old fucking plant turds. <laughs> Got him. Anyway, yeah, they they also tell you like, oh, they have very specific etiquette, and they love to they you got to dance for them. Yeah, dancing is sort of their handshake, and it's a, it's kind of required for them to uh, to feel comfortable around you. So you do a little jig, and you go to hand off. Uh, a letter that you got uh, from the leader of the adders that was written by Kanasena to to give to the the leader of the little cabbages and the milk root. Uh, but when Ida and Papalimo show up, they just ru- they just ruin everything. This this little cabbage is like, no. If it was just you, that's one thing. But now it's three people. Uh, uh-uh, you get out of here. Well, specifically, the, the it's the they're like, well. We don't want any visitors from Gridania right now. We're kind of on the outs with Gridania a little bit. Um, and we're not going to take you to the Elder. So Eden and Papalimo tell you to dance for everyone in Little Solace. Cause we do just and gotta... you do. And you show off your sick moves. Uh, I do like this little bit where Ida says she would love to join you, but she suffers from sudden leg cramps. Um, and uh, I can't go. She She has developed a... Uh, an acute case of do not want to dance in front of cabbages disease. Yes, a, a terrible disease that afflicts uh, 
95% of all people. And of course you also do the thing of you go around and kill pests and clear out stuff and you know, your usual ARR busy work. Yeah, you, you do some pest control and you pick some brownie bushes. Not really sure what exactly a brownie bush is, but you pick some things from them. Um, apparently the sylphs use them for dyes. Uh, so that's fun. But, uh, uh, but yes, so they, they, they get a little bit more comfortable around you after you do this. And they're like, okay, well, you seem all right. So they decide to tell you about all of the, like, imperial trouble they've been having lately. The, a, a bunch of Garleans have been skulking around the woods, making everyone real nervous. As they often do. Um, so you need to go out on a little bit of scouting mission. See what's going on here. Where, where, what are these Garleans up to? And it seems like they're moving around some material in big crates. So they're, they're, they're definitely up to something. Yeah. So you, you flush them out, you deal with the Garleans. Um, and after you return from that, Kumuxio, the one who's been talking to you, tells you that his friend is wandered off into the woods uh and to to because he's gotten sick and tired of staying at little solace and he's gonna go talk to the ones who summoned ramu yes a little guy named claxio now claxio here has it in his head that he's gonna go and forge his own path he's gonna go make a house in the woods somewhere um he doesn't get very far before a bunch of animals are where he wants to build his house so he's like, well, I'll go deeper in the woods then. Leave me alone. Um, and uh, and this is a bad idea, generally, because when he does go deeper in the woods, he ends up surrounded on all sides by purple cabbages. Now, when a cabbage is purple, that means it's been tempered by a god. So next time you go to the store, make sure you, you're aware of that when you're picking up ingredients for your soup. I just say another thing I hate about these little these little twerps. All of them sound all of their names sound like they're fucking antidepressants. <laughs> they kinda do. Like Claxio, uh Frixio, uh whatever the third one is. Like I, th- their name should be followed by a voice speed reading me the side effects of this antidepressant. Yeah, ask your doctor before you try Claxio. Anyway, you, Papalino and Ida, fight off the tempered sylphs and save little Claxio, who's like, oh, my my dear friend Kamuxio, I was so wrong uh, to, to try and, and, and forge it out on my own. I will stay here with you. Yes, and all's well that ends well. And now that you've done all of this stuff for the sylphs, you've saved their friends and you've got them things from the woods and you killed a bird... And a bug, you know, pretty, pretty important stuff here. Um, they're like, okay, we'll take you to the elder now. One problem. We don't have an elder right now. He's missing. They, they are missing. <laughs> so you go back and tell the adders about this situation. And uh, the commander's like, well, that's less than ideal. Um, yeah. <laughs> just like, well, shit, I don't know. Go talk to a bartender about yeah, it. Go talk to this dude named Buscaron. 
who operates a bar named Buscaron's Druthers near the settlement of Quarry Mill, who is apparently the, like the guy you go to for forest gossip. Yeah, and to be fair, it's understandable why this is like the bar in the middle of the forest. Like nobody else runs a bar that looks as nice as this or has like guards outside it to deal with all of the animals in the woods. So it seems nice. Do you think Buscaron uh, and Batteron are like cousins? They kind of look similar. They and could they both be. have B names. That's true. And they're both kind of the salty salt of the earth sort who know a lot um so you you know you know you know how this goes you help out around the bar and eventually buscaron's like all right i have a job for you i gotta you, you gotta work your way into my good graces i gotta i gotta i got a kikirin friend of mine uh who i you know I, I picked up off the floor and nursed back to health and i haven't seen him in a while but he left his earrings here can you go and find him please yeah, just go deliver these earrings. I will say one of the very funny things. So, so there's a couple things about the like small busy work around the bar. Um, first off, the very first thing you guys you do is go break up a fight. Yes. And the the reward for this quest is a single egg. Literally, it is just like for one egg. Please go be a bouncer for the next ten minutes. Thank you. One and, egg. Uh, just one one delicious chicken egg and uh and when you do this then he tells you hey did you know that racism <laughs> is bad thanks Buscron. oh yeah this is like one of the very very few times you'll ever hear anything about the dusk whites um don't worry if you want to know more about that we'll be covering that whenever we cover the lancer quests unfortunately oh god yeah we'll 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 get into that later uh but uh but yeah for now all you need to know is that racism is bad thank you thank you buscaron um but yes we gotta find his uh his little his little friend his little kikirin friend named tetaroon yeah, so we got we to gotta go a qu- real quick nip up to northern L- Lanosia, as you said, and we eventually track him down um, and return the earring, and, and he's like, oh, what a, what a lovely gesture uh, from my dear friend Buscaron. I'll I, uh, give him, get, gather me some of these things, and I, I, will, I will prepare a gift for him in return. Yes, uh, and that gift, turns out, is booze it's rat whiskey it's rat whiskey it's rat whiskey made out of anything just anything thrown in a pot in this case it's the skin of three big leopards i don't know that that would taste very good yeah i'm not really but aware of the brewing process of kikir and fire water but it doesn't sound good if all that's in there is cat leather. Yeah, I believe the description for the item when you get it is that Kikirin Firewater is basically literally anything thrown into a fermenting chamber. Like, they'll just put anything in there. Great. Uh, you know, I hope Buscaron enjoys that because I, I don't want any of that. No thank Oh, you. he will. 
you, when you deliver it to him, he's like, oh, yeah, he's like rubbing his hands together. He's like, ooh, I'm so ready to drink this in like a year when it's like all Done. festering. Oh, great. Yeah, but then he tells you, uh, so I asked around about some stilts up here and I actually heard about some stuff. Um, cause like, you know, there's, there's a, there are sylphs kind of venturing up here, probably looking for their missing elder. And, you know, he also thinks that there might be a spy, a Garlean spy among the wood whalers who are the very unfortunately named, uh, peacekeeping force of Gridania. Yes. Cause the thing is, here's, here's his theory and it makes a lot of sense. This is deep woods territory. This is like way towards the center of the shroud. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that the Garleans could just send expeditionary forces willy-nilly that deep into the Twelves Wood without anybody noticing. So clearly somebody's on the inside letting them slip past. Um, and it turns out there is a little bitch named Laurentius who... He's so Is bad it? at hiding the fact that he's a spy because Buscaron says, yeah, so, you know, it used to be whenever he came in here, he'd order a single pint of ale and like a crust of bread. Um, but lately he's been ordering like the most like ludicrous meals and drinks and, and just pigging out. Uh, so just- he's suddenly come into a lot of money somehow. He's just walking in like, oh, waiter, give me your finest ale and the biggest slab of meat you can get me. And it's just like, dude, you're so obvious. It's so fucking funny. Um, So, yeah, you go and track this guy down and he's like, oh, leave me alone. I'm just patrolling. And you follow him for two seconds and he's just like handing out giant crates of like rations and supplies to the Garleans. It's it's pretty hilarious. So obviously, you know, you kick his ass and you kick his Garlean friend's asses. It's not exactly a very difficult fight. And he hilariously is just like, he really flip-flops back and forth in mm. these interactions. Like he starts out being like, you know, like anxious and like, you know, apologetic or like trying to pass off the whole thing is like a misunderstanding. And then he gets really cocky when the other Garleans show up. He even calls you a bitch, like to your face. Or a bastard. Or a bastard. Depend- he's a-, a gendered insults kind of guy. Uh, um, but the thing that, that sort of causes him to decide to, to turn himself in and whatnot is that during the fight with these Garleans, he sets on you after explaining that like, the wood whalers don't pay shit and it's all for honor and bullshit and uh fuck honor i want i want to get paid which like fair i guess but you don't got to you don't got to be a spy for the fucking garleans to get paid my man um but the the thing that causes him to sort of be be, be shamed by his words and deeds is that a bunch of uh like bandits uh show up and they're like fighting alongside you cuz like buscaron told them and, you know, you don't fuck with Buscaron. He's, like, fucking neutral territory. Yeah, I mean, listen, Buscaron's the guy who provides everybody the booze, so everybody's on good terms with him. And if you piss him off, you're really you're really barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, and then when you go back to Buscaron, he's like, ah, I hope, you know, I, I send some word to the adders. I hope they, they're a little bit lenient on the boy. You know, he's just doing his best. And 
I wonder if he'll ever come back. I sure hope not. Um, I'm sure he won't. And then he says, all right, I have uh, located the Sylph Elder you were looking for. It turns out that uh, the Sylph Elder is being held in a very old prison uh, called the Thousand Maws of Todorak. Yes, which is just down the road from this uh, little bar, thankfully. Um, and there's just this guy, there's this guy right in front who's like a wood whaler. His name is Bloiserant. Um, his his literal individual single job, the only job he has, is to stand in front of that door and make sure that nobody goes in. He managed to miss a flying talking cabbage. And presumably a bunch of Garlean soldiers just walk past him into this. So, you know, good job, sir, on your on your uh, studious attention to your work. So let's go ahead and get started talking about the level. What is level 24 dungeon? The Thousand Maws of Totorak. Yes, and let's talk a little bit about the redesign. So, Dungeon Flippers has come in. You know, they gave this place a fresh coat of paint. Uh, there's some new skylights in. Um, the landscaping team came through, planted some new flowers. Uh, it's all very atmospheric. Yeah, the, the when we, we mentioned briefly that Todorak used to be one of the worst dungeons in, in Realm Reborn. Um, and we... I, when we talked about the first set of dungeons, we covered briefly the kind of, like... Dungeon design used to be very sprawling with a lot of little bonus corridors, and, and I think the idea was that they wanted it to really feel like you were delving a dungeon, right? Like, you, you could you could find these various little places to, to, to get more, like, gear or find more context for the things going on. But... The problem with that approach is that it's really fucking hard to navigate in places, and nowhere was it worse than Thousand Maws, because holy shit, this place was like a labyrinth, which admittedly fits for what used to be a, a the, the, the jail for like the worst of the worst criminals in the Twelves would. Yes. The so the thing about Todorok old um, it had a few very, very glaring issues. So glaring issue number one is that the vast majority of the dungeon was this sort of multi-armed path that you could take. And there was a significant amount of backtracking because one of the things about the way this dungeon was originally structured was there were these... Um, Garlean like magitech devices that you know those soldiers had presumably brought with them into the dungeon while they were going after the sylph elder and these sort of project like a shield barrier it that prevents your sort of forward progress and in order to turn that off you have to collect these little motes of light i forget exactly what they were called but they're these little green orbs and you have to go find them photo cells Yes, they were photo cells. So you had to get 
I believe three or four photo cells for every uh, one of these. I think there were two. And uh, but the thing about these photo cells is they were scattered around the dungeon and you had to go find them. Uh, some of them were dropped by enemies and some of them were just sort of floating there and you had to, to go do it. And if you didn't have like a reasonable idea of where you were supposed to get them, you could find yourself in a kind of frustrating scenario where you know you had like all but one of them and you were like going and backtracking you know maybe you killed an enemy that had dropped one but like somebody didn't like pick it up because you know it it takes a second for it to spawn after the enemy dies that sort of thing uh it was a little frustrating oh Um, don't worry if you think wow that sure does sound annoying you're right it gets worse because after you get through those two photocell walls you enter Goop Town and Web World, where the floors are covered in goo that gives you the leaden uh, status effect, which makes you move slower, like really, really slower. Uh, and also, at certain points or during old Todorak, you would be sucked through these openings and webs would appear, which would have the chance of cutting your party off and you'd have to f- tear down the webs by attacking them. And also, during the leaden part, there are there were big explosive cocoons that if you touched them would explode and poison you. Yeah, also if you walked past them, they were basically proximity mines. Um, it was yeah, all bad. It, was, it wasn't great. And then there were these uh, sort of eggs that had, like, enemies in them waiting for you. So when you'd go past certain points, they'd pop out and, like, run up behind you and stuff like that. And... It's one of those things where I like I get the design space they were trying to work in, but they didn't really succeed in creating an interesting dungeon. They just created a very tedious one, um, and that's really the problem. Now, on the flip side, you look at the dungeon how it is today, and I think they almost went too far in the opposite direction because now the dungeon isn't tedious at all. It's extremely linear. Um, it's very straightforward. You don't have really any obstacles at all other than some basic you know just generic spider style enemies there's there's no real challenge and there's uh you know the two instances of like the same mini boss happen in both versions of the dungeon but they are even less challenging in the new version it's it's a little disappointing, honestly. I, I do think that this is better than it was. Um, it certainly makes it for a less frustrating experience for uh, a first-time player of the dungeon. But um, but I do think they went a little far here. I, I think they really took the character out of the dungeon uh, almost entirely, and they sort of just made it uh, extremely forgettable Um it's very pretty, but there's really no substance to it anymore. Uh, they also took out basically anything that had to do with the Garleans, which is a little weird. Uh, there's no Magitek stuff in there now. No traces that the Garleans were after uh, the Sylph Elder. So that's that's a little weird, too. I, it doesn't really mesh with the actual story of why you're in there in the first place. But, you know, it's it's kind of a weird makeover, I think. Frankly, like, it is kind of a shame that they it, it kind of lost identity, but 
this dungeon fucking sucked. There's no way around it. I I am sure there were plenty of people who got to this dungeon and like, wow, this is terrible. I don't know if I want to play any more of this. And considering what comes after this part of the, the game, like the Thousand Maws is kind of, it used to represent this low dip in the general quality of just going through a realm reborn now it is smooth it is inoffensive it is a little dull but you won't groan if you get it on leveling roulette again that's true and i think that broadly that's what most of the dungeon redesigns have sort of accomplished right i think that broadly they have been made to be much to be as inoffensive as possible which has has its benefits and it has its drawbacks so it's it's it is a it speaks to sort of a broader design philosophy that the game has sort of pushed itself towards over the years um Another good example of this uh, leaning towards sort of an inoffensive, uh, but less, you know, inoffensive, less frustrating, but less characterful um, and, and, and less challenging approach to design is how uh, many more complicated aspects of combat have sort of been removed from the game. Um, for example, uh, most positionals, as of uh, as of 6.0 have mostly been removed from the game um samurai um, still has some i think and i think ninja does as well but yeah for the most part they're taking those out yeah monk i believe still has one i, I believe there's no. one monk positional i don't think there's any monk positional i think both boot shine and dragon kick are no longer positionals interesting yeah it's it is it is part of a broader philosophy that they seem to have uh taken to the game and I don't know if it's necessarily a completely good one, but it has certainly at least made the game, I think, more approachable to people who aren't very familiar with it. So there is positive, uh, there, there is something positive to take away from that, I think. One thing that I am kind of bummed about in the redesign, though, is that there's less notes. Um, Totorak used to have a bunch of notes in it from uh, various prisoners who used to be there. Uh, that you could find in all of these various cells scattered about the place. Uh, but they have reduced all of that to only a set of three notes of some dude named First Spear Rydell uh, leading an expedition into the abandoned prison that is basically just him going, found some weird plant monsters, gonna fight them. Lost some guys fighting a sizable fiend. Uh, must consider turning back if situation worsens. Diarmite infestation confirmed. Scores of eggs on verge of hatching beyond our means to deal with a boarding mission. Yada yada. Just like, not very interesting or characterful notes, I feel. No, yeah. It's it's just, it's three very, very, very short notes that are just here be spiders, basically. Which, you know, also kind of a shame. Um... But yeah, like I said, it's it's just it's it sort of speaks to a broader approach to the game right now that uh, not everybody's super keen on. I, I, I'm I would say I'm probably not super keen on it generally, but uh, but I do understand why they're doing it. I you know it's it's one it's a th- one of those things where like 
I definitely understand why they're doing it because high-end content in this game is very demanding and you don't want to have to worry about a bunch of other shit while you're doing like savage raids and, and extreme trials but also they still have classes like black mage and astrologian and other stuff that are that do have these like crazy complicated uh setups that they have to deal with so i don't know maybe those are the distinct classes for like hey are you a freak who likes to juggle fifty thousand thing at once play astrologian and i say thank you i will <laughs> yeah exactly but uh, we get to the end of Todorok. speaking of there be spiders here we kind of get to the the center of the nest but what we see waiting for us there isn't necessarily a spider it's a man it is it's a man in a black robe and a red mask this time a man we've seen before in a flashback to the fields of cartonell who went unnamed there in fact he went so unnamed i had to edit myself dropping his name out of that episode by accident uh but here he finally fully introduces himself this is the red masked assian who turns to you and introduces himself as lahabrea the servant of a one of the one true god yes and interestingly in uh the english voice acting this is a voice cut scene uh, which i didn't remember but uh but yeah in the english voice acting of this cutscene, um he starts uh speaking in like uh like a fake made up like evil sounding language like black uh, before, speech basically yeah before switching over to uh just you know regular uh common or whatever and uh but in japanese he doesn't do that he just speaks japanese uh the whole time i believe um and which obviously... is a pattern you'll see throughout the game actually yeah, there's a lot of bits early on of the Asians talking in this, like, evil arcane language, which is always denoted by uh, a black text, like, black spiky text box with red text in it. Um, that stops eventually because it doesn't really matter. You can understand them just fine anyway, as he mentions, because you have the echo. Um, but, you know, he says, well, it's, it's fascinating. You know, the, the, the hero who fell defreet standing here right in front of me. But alas, your tale has to end here. Um, you know, but, but don't worry. Another tale will begin. The destruction of the crystal. You know. Villain stuff. You know, your, your classic villain stuff. Uh, he does also bring up that apparently the Echo is the only thing standing in the way of the Asians' ultimate triumph right now. So, uh, seems like they're all very interested in you, specifically. And then he makes a big spider. Makes a big spider scorpion. Takes a regular spider scorpion, makes it real big. Um, and you fight it. It's a pretty underwhelming fight. They didn't really change very much about this guy, um... I do like the one mechanic, though. There's there's one mechanic about that fight that I really like, which is that um, uh, at one point it will, like, sort of charge up its big scorpion stinger. And uh, if you don't take care of it, uh, it'll keep, like, plunging 
into the ground and making like these these poison zones that uh hurt you if you stand in them and it gives you like status effects or whatever but um you can individually target the uh the scorpion stinger and explode it and it like stuns the boss and it stops it from doing that and that's pretty cute i i like that as a mechanic quite a lot so after you kill the big spider uh a cabbage falls from the ceiling and uh, says ah i'm free thank you and then you get yes, a... this is Elder Frixio. Once again, just sounds like a fucking diet pill or something. Um, <laughs> and this time you get an echo flashback of, you know, sort of how Frixio ended up here. And we see our our good old friend Nero Tolskeva wearing his fucking Bakugan helmet um, with his boys who have been out trying to find Ramu to no avail. They, they cannot seem to track him down. Um, despite how vigorously they have attempted to convince the sylphs in their custody to uh, summon him. Perhaps too vigorously, as all of them are dead. Yes, uh, Nero says something very funny, which is, he's like, ah, oh, sigh. Don't you, don't you know that vegetables bruise easily? Thank goodness I didn't ask you to prepare my dinner. Ha <laughs> ha! It's well, really, really funny line, actually. I truly love Nerotolskeva is such a great character. Um, oh yeah, he rules. So yeah, Frixio and the other one of the sylphs who like told you about Frixio's disappearance, who becomes important later on, and you'll know that they're important because they have like a leaf on their face that has a special shape, Noraxia, which is a that like. Come on, that sounds like a fucking. That's like a. That's like a fucking. Come on, like you. You see the the people frolicking in the fields, talking about how Naraxia has has improved their lives. This fucking allergy medication or skin cream. Choose one. Choose choose any. Anyway, they pursued the Garleans and kind of kept a close watch on them as they made their way through the forest. Also, the Garleans, interestingly enough. Uh, they're very, here very secretly, and, and Gaius von Baelser has told them to, like, avoid unnecessary confrontation. Just don't don't seek out a fight if you don't have to fight it. Yeah, which is interesting. It seems like the Garleans are trying very hard to provoke uh, primal summonings, but not be caught doing it. Uh, to what end? Who could possibly say? So then Nero has a little monologue again uh, where he, he swears to this mysterious Garland person he, his, he will surpass him and his star will rise above even Gaius von Baelser's ultimate weapon. It's really funny. He like laughs evilly to the heavens and then just walks off. Yeah, he's this this man is determined to show up all the people who were mean to him in middle school and uh he and he's gonna do it he's gonna be the coolest guy i mean just look at his outfit he's pretty cool so then frixio tells you yes meet me in little solace and i will tell you everything you want to know about lord ramu um so you do you head on over there um with a uh, a little gift from buscaron the uh azema's rose oil which is sort of a like you know, he also hopes that the Sylphs and Gridania can forge a, a sort of lasting peace. Um, and this is like the big first step. So you give that to the Sylphs and they love it. It smells so nice. It smells the... so lovely. It's it's very, very different from the, the milk root that they're, they're always smoking, the very dank milk root. Oh, it's so um, dank. 
And the Sylphs are like, okay. So here's the deal. Ramu, he's a pretty chill guy. He doesn't actually want to go and attack anybody. He just wants to, you know, make sure nobody comes in the woods and hurts anybody. And all the purple cabbages, they're pretty fine too. They're not really planning on hurting anybody. Just don't walk in, you know, our, our town and you'll be fine. So you and Pop Lima are like, you know what? That's a-okay. We, we, we're going to just leave you alone for now as long as you leave us alone. And that's basically where it gets left off is just yeah. like, all right, you have a primal, but as long as he doesn't bother us, we won't bother him. And once again, the thing of the self going like, ah, unlike all those other nasty, evil primals, ours is good. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> just leaves a bad taste in my mouth i fucking hate these cabbages Get yeah it's it's so like mm, it's a it's a little it's a little rough it's a little rough arr's got problems and when you, you when know. you bring the 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 missive you know the elder gives you a missive to give to the the adders of like you know this is a recognition of our of our alliance the adder commander's like ah good we can we can you know not worry about the sylphs and focus on smacking those goddamn birds around a little bit more as they're as they're wont to do that's sort of gridania's favorite pastime basically um oh but before <clears throat> you uh head on out of a uh, little solace yes. frixio has a present for you a uh, crystal and he gives you the crystal and you do the whole rigmarole of like you get transported to the astral plane with the big old glyph and the crystal glows and shoots up a big ball of light and Frixio goes, oh, shit. Yeah, you got some stuff going on, huh, buddy? He says you are you are going to, you are walking a cruel path. And he urges you, like, you need to keep this crystal close and keep it safe. It'll, co- it'll become important later on. Yes, it is. It is, in fact, a very important crystal. And so now we've got, we've got three of... Seven, six, I don't remember how many. I think it's six. Um, yeah, three of six. So uh now you go you go back to Grind, you give you give this dude the little missive, and he's like, Oh, that's great. And then you get a call on the phone, the shell phone, and uh you're being asked to pray return once again. So you go back there, and who's there but the the little boy genius Alphano who's who's giving Minfilia the these sort of report from the students of Baldessian, and you know, seems like they have some familiarity with each other because, like, and weirdly enough, Minfilia almost seems like deferent to this little twerp. Yeah, weirdly, uh, it seems like the scions on the whole are not just familiar with the twins, but in fact are like. They, they quite often work with them, at the very least. And you sort of walk past Alphano as you're entering the solar. You kind of, like, brush shoulders uh, as you walk in. Why does it give you, like, um, a little weird smirk? Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess he's just being smug, like, ooh, I bet you, you didn't know that I'm also part of the secret club, too. I guess. Fucking little jerk. Um... But yeah, so you you kind of hop in there into the solar and everyone is is discussing what to do next. They're kind of going down the list of primals to check in on, starting with Leviathan, the Lord of the World, God of the Sahagin, who they say, well, the Sahagin have been 
hard up for crystals, so we probably don't have to worry about Leviathan manifesting anytime soon. Yeah, so big, big sea serpent, we're, we're good on that right now. Um, however, it seems like Garuda is giving people a little bit of trouble. Um, and uh, and that's unfortunate because Garuda is apparently one of the most aggressive primals and one of the hardest to deal with. And uh, and everyone just sort of just sort of wishes that that he was still with them, he, whoever this mysterious he happens to be. He italicized, and as as we see Biggs and Wedge in the background. Who, by the way, we didn't discuss it in detail because we kind of skipped over it at the end of our last one. But the, like the the end of the the Grand Company recruitment is like you save Biggs and Wedge from being attacked by Garleans in their little airship called the Tiny Bronco. Yes, um, the Tiny Bronco. And they kind of come on to the the Scions to work as um, Magitech specialists, I guess, but... Kind of consultants, if you will. The Tiny Bronco was a big deal because it was the first big project the Ironworks completed after the disappearance of their chief. Um, And the chief is the the he in italics that uh, Menphilia is wishing was here right now. Yes, and notably... Uh, the the title of of their company Garland Ironworks. I wonder. I wonder if this might be the same Garland that Mister Tolskeva keeps talking about. He does keep coming up. Yeah. They also mentioned Titan, but Minfilia's or Yashola's like, well, Titan. Uh, the the Kobolds are under, you know, a lot of super. You know, the the, the Maelstrom are watching the Kobolds pretty closely. So if we if there's any movement on that front, we'll know pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But Garuda is identified as the chief problem here, Lady of the Vortex. Um, Big old bird. And yeah, she's she's causing some issues because she's got, she's got powers and she is not afraid to use them. So as everyone else leaves to kind of start... Oh, also Thancred is continuing his like information gathering and, and Alphano mentions him. And also you can find him uh, sitting outside the solar after this next cutscene where he's just like, oh, don't worry. He's like slumped over in a chair looking haggard and he's like ah oh, don't worry i'm fine uh don't worry about me uh things are going great yeah things are going just great just leave me alone to my sulking for a moment thank you uh listen we we've all been there we we know how it is thank Rid. don't worry about it so then you tell Menphilia about your encounter with la habrea in the thousand maws and she seems pretty worried about this because the Asians have always been very secretive and, and hiding their identities. So now that one of them is just kind of waltzing out and introducing himself with a big neon sign and, and telling you about shit, she's like, they're about to do something big. Yes. She's, she's more than a little concerned about this guy's boldness. And, uh, she starts to talk about like maybe some things that you should be doing, uh, but before she really gets anywhere in that conversation, you hear uh, you hear an eek. There's an eek from the other room, and Tataru has been scared and startled. By a cabbage! That's right. Naraxia, the sylph with the unique face design, has tagged along. And they're like, "We want to. I want to help. I want to help the, the people who saved the Elder uh, and just kind of hang out with the Scions for a little bit. Yeah, which everyone else is generally okay with, though Tataru seems a little shaken up about it. She does not appear to be a big fan of cabbage. No. She and I are kindred spirits, I guess. Um, 
yeah, that's where we leave off here with the, our business with the Sylphs concluded and uncertainty on the horizon as the as the Asians are sort of rising up. So until next time, when once again we will assuredly be uh, pursuing Garuda without any nonsense happening between then and now. Um, if you're keeping current with us, we will we will see you again in a couple of weeks. But if you're here to hang out in the spoiler zone. Stay tuned. similar very similar to our our friends over in eel meg aren't they yeah except they suck and the fairies are good that's true all right so here's the thing about the sylphs we talked a lot about their positioning in the narrative as like the good ones the peaceful ones that sucks already their aesthetics that it's a personal note for me but i i just do not like their brand of fey aesthetics like they're kind of creepy and i'm not sure if they're supposed to be kind of creepy yeah they do have a little bit of creepiness to them because there's like that um they they've got almost like a baby bird thing going on a little bit like a like a baby bird mixed they look with like, like a little plant. fucking aliens yeah, they're a little weird. They've they've almost got like um, they remind me a little bit of uh, oh, what is it the um the the Lake Woods monster. There's an oh, the alien... Flatwoods monster. Oh, the you know what? F- yeah, Japan loves that particular cryptid for whatever reason. The, the yeah. Flatwoods monster keeps popping up in different things. Uh, so I bet the Sylphs are meant to resemble that thing. Yeah, that's the impression that I get. But also, like, their brand of the fae, the fair folk, is so harmless and edgeless and twee. Like, there's no fucking danger with the sylphs. And their relationship to Ramu is so tenuous in the, in, in the, in the like, alright, so they're plant people. I guess Ramu is the Lord of Levin, and he's like a wizard, but I, I don't really, I, I can't really draw that many connections between the two of them, right? Like, lightning isn't really what I think of when I think of the Sylphs. Yeah, that's the thing, right, is they have a little bit of a confused sort of visual language, I think um like ramu being this uh basically huge grandpa doesn't mesh super well with sort of the image that the the sylphs put in like uh the actual fey from ilmeg right they have titania now titania is like 
you know, the King of the Fae, this huge butterfly winged, like, fair, like, like, ethereal, you know, princely kind of thing. Um, and that makes perfect sense. That tracks super well. Like, it's, it's, it's like a good, you know, visual through line, you know, it all sort of meshes together, but Ramu and the Sylphs just don't have that same kind of connection, I feel. And as well, the Pixies uh, have that, like, danger about them. Like, they aren't necessarily malevolent, but they have no real concept of morality, really. They just like to have fun, even if it ends up with people being turned into trees forever or dying horribly or trapped in some kind of endless cycle. But also, they help people with their dreams like they're a give and take sort of fey and like titania the the like uh the evil version you fight the like sin eater titania um is scary and weird but like still the, the driven by a desire for freedom not none of not, nothing about the selves is that well painted or properly established yeah. Also, their fucking speech pattern, their fucking this one speech pattern, annoying, fucking irritating to like. They gotta, <sighs> they gotta twist every fucking sentence to match it. Whereas the the pixies don't have to do that shit at all. They they just sometimes speak in Gaelic. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. They they have like uh they have like the Hanar problem for Mass Effect, where like you can listen to somebody talk in a in a pattern like that for a couple of minutes but if you have to interact with somebody who's doing that for a really long time it gets really hard to like keep following along because it's a very not it's not an easy pattern of speech to sort of be able to follow along with easily like it's it's very easy to lose your place in what's being said when everything is this one and that one it's very easy to lose track of who's being talked about um like i said it's not that bad if you're only interacting with somebody who's talking like that for like a minute or two but when it's like a whole quest line it gets a little rough especially like once you end up dealing with conversations uh sort of later in the self quests where it's like talking about like the Garleans and then you and then also Eden Papalimo and then also the Gradanians and that's all in like the same sentence and it's like 18 different variations of this one that one it, it just gets rough I mean ultimately you I think this one might be able to be tracked down to the localization in A Realm Reborn and Shadowbringers are completely different people with completely different tastes and goals like I guess Koji Fox enjoys tr- whatever the fuck the Sylphs are doing. Um, yeah, there's... It is It is not an uncommon point of criticism that Mr. Michael Christopher uh, does not have necessarily the best cadence with uh with the type of writing that he likes to do you know the the way he likes to sort of structure the sort of oldy, 
you know, flavor, it, it can get a little grating or hard to follow at times, especially when he's leaning real heavily into it. So, yeah, it's not... It's not an uncommon point of criticism, and I understand why they eventually sort of, you know, moved on from that and kind of brought in some new blood and let him, you know, chill over in the music and lore corner, uh, where, you know, he he does a good job with that, to be fair. You know, the the music and lore corner seems to be a very comfortable place for him to be sitting. Uh, You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, they figured that out um by 5.0 and sort of did that then because uh, it would have been a little bit uh, a little bit grating if we got more self speech in ilmeg yeah um you know the uh, every single one of the myriad tribes in Aram reborn and even beyond have a certain vocal style for better or worse except the amalgia they're kind of just normal uh, but everyone else, like the the kobolds, have the thing where they like list three synonyms at the end of every sentence. Uh, the Sahagin have the like fish speak sort of where they go like and a lot. Yeah. Uh, the Ixel talk in broken English. Um, and we don't talk about the Vanuvanu. We just don't talk no, about it. Yeah, the Vanuvanu have some... Mm. Don't got to talk about those guys yet. We will eventually, but I don't want to talk about it right now. Instead, I want to talk about the general attitude this game has towards the Myriad Tribes, or as they call them right now, Beast Tribes. Uh, yeah, and by, and by the term Beast Tribes, you can probably yes. already tell, you know, what the game has as an opinion about them they're heavily othered and as we might get into if we ever talk about uh the various quests to go along with the arr tribes almost all of them are factions that are you know quote unquote the good ones right that are always opposed to the wider tribe uh for whatever reason um in fact, I think almost all of almost all of them are untempered, except for the kobolds. I think because the co- the group of kobolds you're helping out are just the like the most pathetic little virgin mining group. It's kind of endearing. Um, yeah, they're liter- They're like the kobold society is structured such that every group of them is like numbered like in a like a rank or whatever, and you're dealing with literally the the bottom rank, the worst group like 392 of 392 or whatever they're constantly getting bullied by these fucking chads at the top um but yeah like just that various the 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 way that they are like set up and structured and and kind of placed in the narrative and i think you can tell around the time shatterbringers rolled around that they were looking at the stuff they wrote in arr and going well this is kind of unacceptable isn't it yeah they sort of cringed at uh some of that stuff and were like we should probably walk this back we should probably like make this a little bit less egregious because immediately upon entering the first what you find is the amalgia uh analog in the first just like they're just hanging out 
they're not really othered at all. They look after the birds and do other various things. Yeah, I believe there's actually a line in Shadowbringers proper where um, you, like, mention, you or somebody else mentions the term Beast Tribes, and everyone's, like, really weirded out. They're like, what are you talking about? That sounds really racist. Don't say that shit. Similarly, the kobolds, uh, the kobold analog, they run a very popular market in the desert. Um, The Sahagan analog at first seem closer to uh, what the the Sahagan are and are portrayed as in the in Aeron Reborn. But then you remember that the uh, territory they're beefing with is Yulemore. So yeah, they're so really they're in fine. they're in the right. And when you eventually meet them and accidentally like fuck their whole situation up, you like spend a lot of time helping the Ondo like figure out what to do because you accidentally piloted a giant whale to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, which also really kind of messes their whole sitch up because well, now there's no water down there. The Ondo have this kind of cargo cult thing, but I think it's a little different than um some of the other things because they, they do have like they know about amaranth and have thoughts about it without any real context of what it is which is kind of weird but then you get to an endwalker where you get the ultimate sort of repudiation of the ideas about the quote-unquote beast tribes in a realm reborn where you get to um thavnir and there's just elephant people yeah, and they're and the elephant people are like even more so than Shadowbringers, like a valued and like equal part of society, and like you know you interact with them a ton. Like a lot of the characters you interact with in um, in the Thavnir portion are uh, are these Araxadora elephant guys, and they're like really important parts of the story uh you'll also note that in the end in the end when you have to actually you know get your ass to the edge of the universe how do you do that well uh you need a you need a power source to get you all the way there which is supplied by all of the myriad tribes showing up and summoning their respective gods but like you know minus the whole like Asian influence to make them evil thing so they all just show up and they're like all right let's help these guys get to space and it's it's pretty cool it's like yeah. a neat moment and it is like you know sort of a sort of like you said like a final repudiation of the kind of ideas and arr of these guys being like irredeemable like savages or whatever and that has continued with, like, um, you know, the, the post-Shadowbringer stuff with Merlob and the Kobolds. And then, because I think Merlob is definitely, when you think about the characters who are most vocally, like, fuck those beast tribes in ARR, Merlob is top of the list. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. obviously why they selected her to be the one who has to confront all that shit. And I think they honestly did a pretty good job in 5.4 with her and the kobolds and in the um the melee quests for endwalker with the sahagan 
Yeah, I actually didn't do the melee quest Renwalker yet. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I definitely really liked five point four. I liked I liked the uh, the Merowib reeducation arc, um, which it it ends up being like kind of neat, and you get this like deeper. It's it's both like a sort of walking back of and sort of reconciliation of the ideas espoused at ARR, but it's also like it puts more context in on the side of the kobolds and the myriad tribes on the whole. You know, I, I would say that even now in ARR, right, the um, most of the stuff revolving around summoning primals is still done in the context of like self-defense like it does the game does acknowledge this and like talk about it though of course the terminology it talks with it about is still very much like oh these these you know savage rubes resorting to this uh kind of thing um you know instead of like kind of it's not as humanized really um it's way more humanized when you get into like that 5.4 content you get into that later content that really like tries to talk about this stuff in more detail and with a little bit more empathy towards the characters that are doing it those Um, seeds are even sown all the way back in um post heavensward pre-stormblood with the gabu stuff where you fight titan again and you kind of get a more like there's that there's that priest who's like yeah, of course we summon Titan again. What other fucking choice do we have? Like, it 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 there there it's been a slow walk to like trying to get to a better place. And I mean, you know, this game's politics can be messy and weird and often incomprehensible, really. Um, but I think they have sort of found a vision as of Endwalker, like we talked about earlier with the Garlemald section of Endwalker where there is this kind of more considered approach to topics like this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that as of I I, th- I think as of Endwalker they've definitely found uh, a fairly solid footing in how they want to sort of steer this ship in uh in sort of a broader context and sort of a political context um as far as how they want to present the storyline of the game um but you know early on there's a lot of there's a lot of wishy-washy stuff there's a lot of back and forth between like weird fantasy racism being like positioned as both okay and also not okay it's 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 a very weird thing and unfortunately it's only going to get weirder uh like it gets worse before it gets better so yeah, we'll, we're a, we're in for we're in for some treats in in that line, regard there's a line in storm blue that always who wrote that fucking line Man. yeah there's mm, yeah there's some there's some choice moments uh, in the future when it comes to this sort of thing but we already uh, mentioned the vanu just ill-conceived from top to bottom really um but you know yeah it, it, it's it's a it's a bumpy ride but we're we're evening out here and as with always the the strength of shadowbringers and walker 
is that they can take the past, good and bad, and build on them as a foundation to tell new, better stories. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's broadly the strength of Final Fantasy XIV as a whole, is that it's, it is a game that sort of largely it, it ends up being a lot more cohesive than it almost has any right to be because everybody who writes for the game wants to, in their own way, build on what came before it and make something new out of that context. And whether that's good or bad depends on the writer, and uh, we'll, we'll see both sides of that as we get further into the game, but it, it creates a really interesting game uh for better or for worse it makes a very very broad land of contrasts yep so you know next time we'll be getting into one of the most infamous arguably the now it's not as infamous as the praetorium but titan quest is one of the most infamous parts of a realm reborn wait Uh, is titan quest next because next is garuda no titan quest is next the garuda thing is a is a red herring Garuda is not until... Because remember, Garuda is the level 43 trial. Yeah, because we have to go do... uh, We have to get the fucking Enterprise back from the castle. Yeah, so first we have to go get that blind dude some wine. And uh, that dude doesn't tell us he has a small dick yet. That's not until Leviathan. But, you know, we got to talk about that. That's true. But we'll we'll hear about Tractum's tiny dick later. Don't worry. And so will you, dear listener. Uh, But until then, I'm Nero. And I'm Jane. And we'll see you out there in the fields of Eorzea.